Well, greetings, brothers. Uh, I'm always um, encouraged, also somewhat surprised by the attendance in these sessions. Um, but it, I think it shows that there is a, a real burden in all the churches uh, all over the earth for the going on of our next generation. And um, we were not able to have such a time last year, uh, if you recall. Um, but uh, thank the Lord for opening this way for us uh, this time. Um, I would like to start by... Uh, well, well, with this verse, Psalm, not Psalm, Proverbs 27, 23. Proverbs 27, 23. I think many of us are familiar, I hope, with, uh, with this verse. It says, Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. Know well the condition of your flocks and pay attention to your herds. In John 21, the Lord tells Peter, oh, you know that exchange, you know, Peter, do you love me? You know, he's recovering his, his Peter's love. We talked about this, this, this weekend. This was the Lord shepherding one-on-one with Peter. Um, <clears throat> What I want to highlight, though, is this specific thing that the Lord told him, what first? Feed my lambs. And then the second one was, shepherd my sheep. And then the third time was, feed my sheep. Each one was different. And... <clears throat> You know, when I, when I was, when I was much younger, I just had the impression that the Lord asked the same question all three times, same answer all three times, same response all three times, but it's a very particular. Because those among us that we're caring for could be lambs, could be sheep, they might need feeding, they might need shepherding, it's just a little little bit different. And we have to know well the condition of our flock. We all have our flock. Every in every locality, in every region, in every country, you have your flock. And and our responsibility is to know, not just know, it's isn't it something? Every, every word in the scripture is meaningful, know well the condition of your flocks. And so we have to know, we have to know when there's a sheep among us that just needs shepherding. That, that, that means somewhat that they're in a healthy condition, but they still need to be led to the pasture. You don't have to feed them because they just feed themselves. They feed themselves. But you have to guide them to the pastures, because sheep, sometimes, you know, they're dumb. That's why you need the, you need the dog, which we shouldn't be, right? But, right? <clears throat> I think that, well, I think we're all going home with the picture of the sheep dog 
in our in our in our realization. <clears throat> but sometimes the sheep need to be fed. And that means something abnormal happened. And so this sheep cannot feed themselves. The lambs, uh, everybody understands, you gotta feed the lambs. But here's a sheep, a grown up sheep, and you need to feed the sheep? That means something not healthy. <clears throat> so you can't assume things. You can't assume all the same. We have to know, and, and the scripture says, know well. And pay attention! <laughs> pay attention! To your hurts. Pay attention. <clears throat> In, uh, um, Matthew 20, no, Matthew 13, 25. It's the parable of the tares. You're familiar with that, the parable of the tares. It says that while the men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed something. While the men were sleeping. So they had a charge over this field, but they slept. They weren't paying attention. And when they weren't paying attention, the enemy had activity. And then later they had to deal with that activity. Or actually, not not right away. Not right away. But in time, something was manifested that exposed. Well, when did this, how could this happen? It's while you were sleeping. So I like to put these verses together. It says, pay attention. We need to pay attention to our herds. You know, in um, in this little booklet that we've received so much help from, this little masterpiece of Brother Lee entitled, How to Lead the Young People. I, I, I assume everyone here has read that at least once. And this has been mostly reproduced in uh, under the title um, Raising Up the Next Generation for the Church Life uh, in chapters 23 and 4, right? How to lead. Sorry, I'm oh, sorry. That's teacher's training. 20 and 21. Chapters 20 and 21. And we have an outline there. And... Uh, and really, it's really one long outline, because that it's, it's Brother Lee didn't speak it in two different times. He used one message, six points on how to care for the young people. Yeah, you're familiar with that, right? Uh, of course, the first one, showing interest, showing interest. But I want to talk about number five, number five. So that appears in outline 21, and that is emphasizing practicality. Sorry, sorry, is that number three? Uh, number three. Not strategic. So point number three. So it appears in chapter 20. Sorry. Not stressing doctrine, but stressing practicality. Okay? Practicality. And in that section, Brother Lee charged us, charged us, we need to study the problems of the young people. We need to study the problems of the young people. 
so that so that we will know how to shepherd and feed them. So that we will be able to take this truth and apply it to them where they are. So I'd like to introduce this word that is to make it relevant. To make it relevant to a 12-year-old or a 17-year-old or a 21-year-old. And the way we do that is different because they are different. And and so, Brother Lee charged us, study. Not just study the young people, but study their problems. Study their problems. And so, for this, we really have to pay attention. We really have to pay attention. And and we we... This involves, brothers, this involves knowing the times. Knowing the times. And I'd like to give you this verse. This is, I believe it's 1 Chronicles 12, 32. 1 Chronicles 12, 32. It says, And the children of Issachar, men who understood the times, that they might know what Israel should do. Men who understood the times. Of course, in the context, it has its particular meaning. But I think we can borrow this and apply it to our situation. We need to understand the times. This is, this is the 20 teens that we're in now. We are in 2017. It's hard to believe that we're in 2017. We are in 2017. And 2017 is not 1997. It's not 1997. 1997 was a different time. And even more different than 1987. 1987 was a different time. So we have to know the times. If we're really going to help the young people in 2017. And to help the young people in 2017, we have to study their problems in 2017. And our young people have some particular problems. Uh, I'd like to highlight a couple of them, which I think we have to very honestly face that our young people are growing up in such It doesn't change or compromise at all the truth, but the way that we can reach them may need to be updated. We may, we may, we may need how, how to s- learn how to speak the same things, but to reach today's young people. And for this, of course, we have an international audience here today. <laughs> so I, I don't, I don't know in, some of the places. But I can tell you, something is going on here in America, in the United States, that somewhat, I, I think, is being reflected in, in Europe. Um, and that is, uh, well, let, let me put it this way. You know, this, this most recent uh, presidential election really 
has drawn something out of the American people that we haven't seen. And this is a very polarized country right now. Very polarized country. And, and most people, but most people, you're either here or there. And, and, but you have to realize part of the most people are in our meetings. That includes the people that are in our meetings. <laughs> we, you know, we, sh- we always exercise never to bring in politics into, into the meeting, into the fellowship. That's something that, that even, even seeking ones, new ones, appreciate about the meetings. That, that here they talk about the Bible. I mean, I've heard this testimony from new ones through the years. Oh, you don't talk about the politics. You don't talk about the world situation. You don't talk about those. You just minister Christ. And that's, that's a drawing factor. Yes. But you know that in, maybe not in the home meeting or in the group meeting, but maybe as the saints are eating before the group meeting, there's some speaking about things, opinions coming out. <clears throat> but, of course, there's, the, there's a genuine concern just in general about the saints. But we are talking about the young people, and, and in this, I, I'm talking about young people all the way through the young working saints. Because many of the young working saints and the college students are serving our young people. So what's in their mind matters. What's in their mind matters. And so, like I said, it's very a very polarized situation right now. And generally, generally, it, it again, generally, it's Older conservatism against younger liberalism, generally. And of course, there are many exceptions, but I'm talking about generally. And many young people, many young people, have a kind of a thought or concept, an evaluation that all the older ones, especially in the church, are certain a certain political bent. And so, because of that, different reactions. One reaction may be they just avoid the topic with you because they know where you're at already. But they're sitting in our meetings. Outside of our meetings with their friends, there's a lot of engaging of conversation and so among maybe among themselves this engaging. But then when they come to us, they don't go they don't go there with us. Because they, they're feeling as I know or and you know brother Ron specifically brought this up in this training and was brought up in the winter training, uh, maybe in the special conference even, that that there has been even among from our, our our own young people, a uh, a kind of response to 
this election that shows that they, and again, you can't say everyone, it's not everyone, but a good number, do not know the sovereignty of God. And don't accept the sovereignty of God. You know, in leading up to the election, we had to say this in our prayer meeting. I mean, I, we, we did. We told the saints, saints here, we're not for this or for that. We're for the throne. And we're for God's economy. So we have to pray, Lord, do whatever you need to do for the furtherance of your economy, not only in this country, but on the whole earth, especially because this country, under the sovereignty of the Lord, I'm not being nationalistic, under the sovereignty of the Lord, this country plays a particular role in the world scene. And so, whoever is president here, it matters to the whole world. It does. So we pray. And we have to say, Lord, we have to say, Lord, we don't know what's the best. But we're on your side. And we say, Amen. Amen. So then, of course, there's a result. The result. But I know of cases where some young people were in tears. In tears. Like, over, you know, talking to parents and stuff. <clears throat> what does that show? What does that show? You know, we tried to help the saints with First uh, Timothy chapter 2. Right? That we should pray for all who are in high position so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and gravity. So we have to pray. We should pray for our president, our governor, our mayors, our congress, and, you know, and every, we should, we should pray. And that was true last year. And it's true this year. That was true four years ago. That was true eight years ago. And it's true today. But the, the young, some of the young people, they don't see it that way. We haven't helped them to see God's sovereignty. So there's a reaction. And the reaction, this is the, maybe the point I'm getting at, the reaction matches the world reaction. And why, why, why isn't there something different with, in the reaction of our young people? Why is there no difference? And in, in a sense, I, I'm not, I'm not blaming the world's reaction. I understand. They have their views and their feelings and whatever. But, but why, why are our young people not different in this? Brothers, that means we have not been able, successful, to make some of the truths relevant to them. And we have, we have to face this. We have to face this. There's a lack somewhere. There's a lack somewhere. We, we, so a situation comes and, and something comes out, we, we realize, hmm, that means, that means in that conference, in that summer school, in those young people's meetings, yeah, 
We talked about, and you may even say, but we talked about, we gave a lesson on God's sovereignty. A year and a half ago, we gave a lesson on God's sovereignty. Yeah, that's all it was. It was a lesson. It, it didn't, it didn't absorb. It weren't, it wasn't absorbed. It didn't mean anything to them. And this is just an example. But, but, brothers, these young people, these young people, they, well, they are the church. They are the church already. But they will play a greater role in the responsibility in the church life in 10 years and in 20 years. And so whatever they are, whatever they are, whatever's in their mind, whatever philosophy they're being shaped by will impact the church tomorrow. And this is a concern. Because we're here with endurance. We're here for the long run. And we're concerned, not just for the testimony today, we're concerned for the testimony tomorrow. And and all of us will not be here a certain tomorrow. Our tomorrows, if the Lord delays, will run out. And so they will be here. And will the Lord's recovery still really be the Lord's recovery in 15 years. It depends on, it depends on our young adult saints today. More uh, directly. And on our young people today, a little indirectly. And I, I'm including the young adult saints who have been shaped by the liberal universities in this country, particularly on the East Coast, especially in the Northeast, and on the West Coast. And they're, they're shaped. And so when we see these, these verses like Romans 12.2, do not be conformed according to this age. Oh, I tell you, in the 80s, when we talked about the age and the world, we would just warn them about don't, don't drink, don't smoke, stay away from drugs, flee fornication. And that, that was kind of the extent of what our, 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 where our targets were. But I tell you, from the 80s till today, the enemy's strategy, the enemy's strategy really is more focused in the philosophies of the age and shaping the minds of the young people. So brothers, we have to get in there. We have to work our way in there. Today, I'm not, I'm not actually offering many solutions. But I am, I want to sound a trumpet to alert us of the problem that we all have to face. We all have to face. And if we apply what Brother Lee shares in that little booklet about show interest, then actually, actually, you could preempt some of these things because you get into their lives younger and you grow along with them. And when they have confusion over things or conflicts, questions, then they can bring it up to us. But I tell you, in some of our shepherding, may either from our upbringing, both 
humanly and in our church life, by our uh, personality, disposition. Some things the young people have the feeling are taboo to talk to us about. They, they just feel, no, I, uh, because they feel, I already know what he'll say. I already know what he'll say. Or, or we just don't talk about this. And I'm not saying now we talk about these things in our meetings, but the young people, the ones under our care, should have the freedom to bring up anything. To bring up anything. To, at any time, to say, what do you think about our president? And we could ask them, well, what do people say at school? You know, I, I liked, I, there was a period of time where I had a very steady small group meeting. All young people in my, in my home on Saturday afternoon, five o'clock. The young people would come. We started with two or three. Eventually this grew until about, we had about 23 at the, the peak. And we had our little meeting, a lot of different activities and so on. And it was actually very, very good. And after dinner, we'd go to the young people's meeting. And it was a real, like, I had, I had a quarter of the young people's meeting in my group meeting. So I'd get them ready. And anyway, the young people's meeting was impacted by that. But the most precious time to me was dinner time. When we're having dinner, I'd throw out some question. Hey, well, you know, if it was today, if it was today, this is the kind of question I would just bring out there. I'd say, hey, Daniel, at your school, so, so what do they think about, about the Women's March? You know, the day after the, the inauguration? What are, what are they saying about that? So I'm not asking you, Daniel, what do you think? But, so in school, what, are, what, are, what do people say? Oh, oh, they, 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 whatever. Oh, and I tell you, it stirs up conversation. Then you just be quiet there. And just take in, take them, don't mind, don't pull out a notebook. But, but you just, you just, oh, and, oh, you can tell where they're at. You can tell where they're at. But don't have a, that's terrible! Don't have that attitude because they'll all shut down and they'll know. Next time you ask, we'll tell you what you want to hear. And that's not what you want. You want them to be genuine. And you may have a feeling, oh, okay, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, well, you want, you may want to take this one out for, for, you know, soda or ice cream later because he's so strong about something. Just to, just to know a little more. But I, I used to love to have conversations about this. When I think during those days, it was, uh, sorry, Rodney King, is that the name? LA? Yeah, during those days. So, I would bring up, so, are they at school? Teachers say anything about the riots in L.A.? Oh, you know. Just to know where where they are. You know, this is uh, one thing. We talked about John 21 in this training. Um, I don't know if yesterday the, the brothers brought out Luke 24 at all. Luke 24. Luke 24 is the, the Lord walking with the two disciples. Yeah. Walking, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. The Narote Emmaus. 
two disciples, they're despondent, they're sad, they're talking, and then the Lord walks with them. They don't recognize him. And he says, uh, what are you talking about? As if he doesn't know, you know. And oh, oh, how Jesus, this and that. And, and they say, <laughs> and he says, you know the things that have happened in Jerusalem. And he says, what things? I said, are you a, are you, what, are you a stranger? Are you the only one who doesn't know? Somewhat, you know, Cleopas, Cleopas, and the other one not named. Their attitude is not so good. Are you the only one? Oh, that's when he says, the things that have transpired. Then he says, then he says, well, what things? Our, our shepherd, the Lord Jesus, this is what we would say, playing dumb. Bible doesn't say that. So maybe we shouldn't say that. But anyway, but you know, he, he just used questions. For what? To draw out what's within them. And, and never with a adjusting, correcting, rebuking tone. But then from there, at a certain point, it started to minister Christ. <laughs> says, I'm beginning from, right? Moses and all the prophets, he spoke to them the things concerning himself. So Christ ministered Christ to them through the word. Through the word. And they still didn't recognize him. Which, But their hearts started burning, right? Because they said, were not our hearts when he spoke to us on the way? So th- there was a response within them. But while they're having this conversation, they didn't realize it's Christ. Brothers, we need to learn how to talk this way. When you can talk with them about their things and 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 you're ministering a little something. And I'm not saying it's, it's easy. And the first time, oh, you get it. But we need to learn this. We need to learn this. And then he was he was gonna he was you look at verse twenty eight. That's twenty four twenty eight in Luke. It says, he acted as if he would go further. And they said, no, could you stay with us? He goes, well, I don't know what he said. I think he said, oh, no, no, that's okay. I wouldn't want to inconvenience you. No, but they pleaded with him. Okay, where was he going to (laughs) go? He just wanted to go be with them because in a couple of hours... He was going to go appear to them, all of them, in the upper room. Then you go to John 20. So John 20 happened after this. So then, then they, so he goes with them. And then they start to break bread and then, then they realize it's him. So can you be with a young person for a certain period of time? Maybe seven miles? You know, it's seven miles they walk, 60 stadiums. Seven miles. How long does it take you? How long? Just walk seven miles. Anyway, seven miles. And then, all along, they didn't realize it's him. But their hearts were getting stirred up. This is the shepherding we need to learn. Another topic. LGBTQ. There's an I now. LGBTQI. 
got to learn what all the letters mean. I know some of them are, what? what? <clears throat> this is a hot-button topic and, our, and, our, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a polarizing one. How do we speak with them? How can we reach them? Because, brothers, even our young adults, what is in their mind? What is in their concept? What is in their feeling? And then from among these young adults eventually come the leaders of the church in some years. Will the nature of the church be compromised by the young people we have raised? We have to learn. We have to learn what the Word says. We have to learn how to speak with them. You know, in this, in, in, in this topic, in this topic, eventually, eventually, you just have to decide do you stand with the Bible or not. The Bible says something. But how you make that stand and how you express yourself could really, could really push people away from Because our young people, they're in school with some who are in this way. And actually, some of our young people are on the fence. We've come to know this. And some are over the fence. Then how could you ever help someone who, who would come to you? Well, would they even come to you? You say, brother, maybe they would say, I think I'm gay. Would they even come to you to tell you? We've had some over the last, especially I'd say the last four years, maybe three. It's getting, sorry to say, the number is increasing. But we've had some young people come to us. And that was because, that was because, in each of the cases I'm thinking of now, there were others in the past, but in these more recent cases, we said something in the meeting or in a conference. We did this in Brazil two years ago, I think it was, to make it clear, what does the Bible say about this? But what should our attitude be? And so we got into detail and so on. And after that meeting, two young people came. And I talked to them. Now, why would they come? Well, that's because, by the Lord's mercy, even in the presentation, there was a sense, there's no judgment here. There's no judgment. But we have to be faithful. We have to be honest to present God's word. And then you have to just decide whether you will stand with God's word because you and I, we all will face the Lord directly one day. So you just decide. But we, and then we, then we also told them according to the scripture, according to the scripture, first Corinthians chapter six, some, such were some of you, but you were washed. 
you were justified. You were sanctified. So that the word shows, even in the Corinthian church, there were some, but they were delivered from that. So there's a way. There's a way. We know there's a way because we've met a number of brothers and sisters who have experienced that. Now, with this, because it's sensitive, we cannot have them come and give testimonies. So you can't know. And that, that those, those names will never, that's confidentiality. Even that is a, is a strengthening to them. And so, they came. And we had some fellowship. One was a girl, one was a brother. The girl, I told her, I can talk to you, but for this, I need an older sister to come. Would it be okay? There's a sister. I trust her. And she said, oh, I know her. Yes, yes, yes. It'll be fine. So then we went and we talked to her. That night, that night, she was delivered from. Not every case is that easy. Not every case is that easy. But I can tell you, that night, that sister was freed from that. So, there are ways to have these conversations. But my observation, honestly, is not all the saints can have this conversation. Especially not our, our older saints. It's not that easy to have such conversations. And I, I understand that. I'm not blaming them either. For that, I understand. But someone, some ones, need to be able to take the grace and demonstrate the grace to speak to some of the young people, so that they might have a way. Brothers, this is not going away. This is not going away. <laughs> more and more, the age is just turning. The age is turning. We have to know the age, and we have to be able to help our young people to grow up in in this age. And then how they they are there facing facing these things. So we have to exercise to make all the things in the word that we release to be relevant, to be aware where they are at. That that they can apply. <clears throat> if they cannot apply them, if they cannot apply them, it's not on them. We need to find ways. We need to find ways. And for this, this requires fellowship. It requires fellowship. And we need, maybe maybe in your locality, you feel, oh, then reach out to another locality and we pray together to find the ways to bring this to the young people. Now, this matter of the LGBTQI, you know, a lot is being spoken concerning the matter of identity. Identity. Knowing your identity. You know, it is true that people must have a sense of identity is true. And actually, we need to infuse our children 
even from very young, with a sense of identity and a sense of purpose and a sense of purpose. I hope that the saints in the churches who serve the children would not misunderstand and misapply all that we've been speaking for these last eight to ten years about avoiding premature knowledge to the point where they don't speak to the children enough about God. And this did happen, I know. There was a kind of a reaction in ignorant response to what we shared. And I won't say we. I know a certain place where I went and spoke these things. And then a month later, brothers call me, brother, you have to come back. Our sisters say, Brother Ricky said, we don't teach the Bible now. No, no, Brother Ricky never said that. But it was when I was speaking about the premature knowledge, avoid premature knowledge. That's how they took it. From the time they're so young, they need to know, I'm for God. I'm for God. And you could do that without giving them premature knowledge. When you tell them, when you tell them, look at the tree, look at that, who made that, who made green, the color, God, God, that's right, God, God, we're for God, and we just put it into them. Genesis 1, we're we're for God's purpose, this is 126, 127, male and female, male and female, that's a mommy and a daddy. A she mommy and a he daddy. Then you can, you, you can put that into them. And if we put that into them first, when the other things come, they're like, yeah, one of our boys who's in pre-K, he, I don't mean our, my wife and I. Yeah. In the church, in the church, one of our children came home. This was a couple of months ago. Mommy. This pre- preschool. Mommy, my friend has two daddies. And he's like, oh. Imagine the mom. She's like, oh. But these are conversations, sorry. Our three-year-old children now are having with our saints, their moms and dads, who are our young adults. What do they answer? And can they answer in such a way to say, to let them know, that's not what God says. That's not our family. But not to judge the other family. Oh, that's not so easy. You don't want them to go home, I mean, go to school the next day and says, you're wrong. That's evil you have two daddies. My mom said, oh, the principal will call in the mom. They might get kicked out of the school. So I'm saying, it's not that it's easy, but these are the conversations. This is our, where our children are. Even from three years old, we may have to face these things. What about when our moms, just, you know, they have a toddler and they're at the park. And then they meet another 
young mom. Oh, that's wonderful. Then you have a play date. And then when you go to their house, you find out she's lesbian. Then what? But these are the situations our saints have to face now. So, what I'm saying is, we need to infuse into our children a sense of identity and a sense of purpose without premature knowledge. We can do that. That's possible, brother. And we need to, we need, we need to be involved with that to help our saints, equip, equip our saints. There was, uh, in New York, recently, they, they were going through the story of Joseph. And I, oh, when they sent me the summary of what they were sharing, I, oh, I, I, that was, that was a great story. You could, you could, you know, cause Joseph, because of the dream, he knew he was gonna do something special when he grew up. What a good story to infuse the sense of identity. You're from a special family and a sense of purpose. God has a purpose for you when you grow up. You can, you can be someone who affects the world. Oh, I think they come home, happy. mommy, mommy, I'm going to affect the world. What does that mean? I don't know. But they'd be so happy. But don't you think lessons like that? That's not premature. But, but, it's hunting in them. Little seeds, little seeds. Anyway, I have more, but maybe I'll pass it over. Huh? I have I have some a few uh, miscellaneous things. Okay, maybe I'll take ten minutes. Yeah, okay. Um, but this is an aside now. An aside. I feel in our shepherding, we need to make more use with the young people of a ministry publication. You know. There's an awareness very much these days of the churches, of the saints. We need to get our saints into the life studies and the ministry publications. But I'd like to add that for the young people too, but at their level, I'm not saying assign them to read, you know, all the life studies in five years, starting from 11 to 16. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. But, for example, we... Uh, in New York right now, we're doing a corporate ministry reading uh, of certain books. For example, we started with Truth, Life, Church, Gospel, the great, Four Great Pillars. And we just encourage all the saints, and including the young people, but it's uh, two chapters a week. Two chapters a week. And so the young people could enter into that. But more than that, there are many booklets that that you could lead the young people, even give it as a gift. For example, this morning, Brother Ron held the booklet, Praising. That's a very good booklet for young people. Imagine if, it, I mean, if, if a 15 or 16-year-old would get something to praise in spite of in every situation, that could affect them their whole life. And I w- I'm, I'm telling you that because, as a testimony, actually, because I read that lesson, Brother Nee's lesson, when, when I was 15. And 
and I read it again later, and of course got more later, but something, there was a transaction inside about praising. I learned something about praising. I learned, I learned that for certain situations, you pray. And for all situations, you praise. And when you can't pray, you don't know what to pray, praise. Oh, that's helped me so much. And the Lord has brought that back. And that was 40 years ago. So I know that if we have, if we know well the condition, then I, I, I would give, I would give Carlos praising, but I would give David men who turn the ape. Or, or the precious blood of Christ. You, you know, according to, like a physician, you don't just give everybody this penicillin, penicillin. You, you specifically. So, uh, I just like to mention, I just like to mention, there, if we exercise, we can bring this to get our young people very early to have the direct taste of reading the ministry. Okay. Another, another thing is, we've mentioned this, uh, in, in, in times like this, this is about three or four years ago, that we always need to be exercising to bring the young people more into the church life. And, and even though we're not emphasizing this this time, I just want to say this as a reminder that all the time we need to bring the young people more into the church life. Too often the serving saints among us are preoccupied with the young people's meeting. And, and whether that's a good meeting or not a good meeting by whoever's evaluation means very little if after five years those young people are not fully absorbed in the church life somewhere in the Lord's recovery. So we have to do our best, and particularly to what Brother Lee calls bear the double responsibility of what? The practical services in the church life and the gospel. This is how we can really help them. Actually, these two things help them to develop a sense of identity and a sense of purpose. And not only to participate in the practical services in the church, but even bear responsibility. This is Brother Lee's bidding. Bear responsibility. So that so that the, the young people that are serving with the children, they don't just take attendance or buy the snack or take the kids to the bathroom. Eventually, they are leading the singing. They are, and, and, and not just leading the singing, coordinating to lead the singing. You don't just thumb. You do it because you're good. Go ahead, you do it. But we need to teach them how to coordinate with us, how to pray, to participate in the coordination meeting, how to make these decisions in the Lord and to see how this takes place. And, and, and also eventually giving at least portions of lessons, teaching. And the young people can be very good with teaching. I know some of them could be so excellent. They really can be, face it, they really can be better than us. They could be better than us. 
It's very difficult, though, for some of our veterans, quote unquote, to make room, to make room or to step aside. And we, we, brothers, we need to participate in that, in helping both the older and the younger. We never mean to tell the older ones, step aside and just let the young ones go. No. There needs to be a mentoring, a tutoring, a bringing into, right? Okay, so that, that's, and the last thing is this. Knowing the times and, and being up to date. One thing I think, just the practical thing, is we need to learn how to present things with more multimedia to kept the attention of the young people. Sometimes, as we, as we have all these years, just a message, a lecture, for half an hour, 45 minutes, may not be that effective. Now, I'm not saying don't, don't do that. We still do that. Hour-long messages, we still do that. In, certain occasions. But if we could learn, especially in conferences or in special meetings, PowerPoint presentation or different things, different things, it, it, it seems to me it would really help. But some of us, and I'm, I'm saying this from experience, some of us, it's, it's just hard to change. It's just hard to change. And if you're not that well, you know, skilled in those things, then I tell you, there are brothers who can do it. You just give it to them. They have, in 30 minutes, they can have a presentation. And then you just work together. But I tell you, it helps. It helps the young people to, when they see and so on. So I, I just like to say that. And sorry, I said that was the last thing, but this is the last thing. Sorry, one more. That is, uh, I think Brother Monero shared this point. Use biographies. It's a good way to shepherd people. To, to, for them to read, or even you speak the stories, you digest it and give the stories. Even that is, it just feeds people and inspires people. And that's a way to make the things relevant. You talk about consecration, you talk about the cross, and then you give a story and you see it in a 15 or 16 year old's life, somewhere, sometime. Then they see, wow, it's, that's, that's relevant. I could really inspire. So, okay. Amen. Or, uh, yeah, okay. And it's just because of the situation. Brothers, there's just no way to describe to you where I am and what's going on. And uh, the uh, intensity of the situation. But I wanted to say something. I, I told Ricky, just give me a few minutes, because I, I do have something I'd like to, I, I did get something, you know, I'd like to fellowship uh, with you about. And that is, um, 
to do this work, work with the young people, uh, it is really a kind of priesthood. It cannot be cool young adults trying to relate to young people or just some kind of outward, you know, how to make the meetings more enjoyable. Well, let's, let's bring guitars. Let's sit in a circle. Let's meet in a home. We tried all these kind of things, mixing it up, trying to do, uh, or well, even, who, who was it that shared this morning? I think it was Ron. Let's just sing and eat and sing, you know. And that's a great young people's meeting. I mean, the young people would love that. But uh, to do this, in this age, according to what even Ricky was describing, we all know what he's talking about. We, we know this. We're dealing with it. The uh, homosexual kind of issues coming to us like crazy, you know, and how to answer this. The problems of uh, the polarization, the liberal education system in America and Europe that's just just polluting the minds and damaging and the minds of our young generation. This is real, brothers. And to know how to deal with it, it really needs a group of brothers who know the Lord, know how to be with the Lord, and know how to pray together in a blended coordination. I, I don't even know if I can uh, emphasize this enough. Uh, 1995, I moved to Irvine from Tulare, a little town. And I began right away to serve with the young people in Irvine. And we began a kind of coordination. And it was Tuesdays. And a group of brothers, we came together to seek the Lord. That Tuesday meeting lasted until I left. 20 years. We had built it up. It was our way. It was, we honored the Lord. We sought the Lord. And that was how we knew what to do. We didn't know what to do. We didn't know how to speak. We didn't know how to care. We didn't know how to shepherd. We didn't know how to do anything. We didn't even know what they needed. Uh, but that's what we did. And 20 years later, we just have to testify the Lord somehow had a way. I was recently with a brother in Europe, uh, in Germany, and he was telling me how touched he was Two times in the Exodus uh, crystallization and also in the, oh, I forget what else. Two times, you, you will recall, we had the messages on the breastplate. You know, the priesthood, the, the garments, the, the breastplate. And how the priests learned how to read the stones like a, like a teletype machine. Typing out the word of God in an instant kind of, Practical application. You know, when, when Ricky is talking about making the truth relevant, that's what you have to do. You have to be able to read the stones. And you read the stones as they go dark, not as they go light. He said, why? You know, they go dark. Wow. And the brother was saying to me, have you ever seen, I mean, have you ever experienced this? Do you know 
practically how this works, you know. Well, the stones going dark imply a kind of a negative situation or a difficult situation or a problem. Uh, a problem someone is having, a problem, if one of them's having it, you could probably guess that 20 of them are having it. Boy, girl, relationships, uh, this, uh, other issues that we talked about. How do you, how do you, what do you say? How do you say it? How do you minister the real thing to them? Well, you've got to have a group of, of saints that you can pray with. And in your prayer, you read the stones. Uh, right? Uh, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. Uh, when I was getting ready to leave Southern California, I had a time with the, gathered all the, the coordinating brothers. So it's about 20, you know, from all over Southern California. And, and, you know, I've been meeting with them for, I don't know how many years, how many years? 20 years, huh? And, uh, while we were, you know, I'm saying, you know, I'm, I'm moving. It's like, you know, uh, and uh, the feeling of, well, what are we going to do? You know, what are we going to do? How, how how will we know? Uh, and and then one of the brothers said uh, uh, something about the Urim and Thummim, you know, about, re, you know, the Lord's leading. And, you know, I have to tell you something, brothers. We have had the Lord's leading, really, in a in the most definite way. Uh, over these last eight, nine, ten years. Both Ricky and I know it. We, we, unprecedented kind of anointing and leading. And so, the question, you know, what are we going to do? Uh, it's like, it's like I had, or, or we have, you know, we, we conferred a lot, some special kind of gift or something where we, we, we could get this kind of, no, it's, it's two things. It's you knowing how to be alone with the Lord, number one, and you knowing how to coordinate and pray with others. That's where it is. It's there. And uh, being able to just, brothers, uh, just being able to be with the Lord. Just be with Him. Don't, don't, you don't have to, it's not praying. It's not some kind of activity. It's just, just be with the Lord. You know? And then, when you're with the others, you, you get with another one, and my, you just light up inside. You just, it's all coming. It's like, like, like a flow. You, you, maybe you heard my testimony when I got to Germany and, there's so many new ones that we got to take care of them. And the, the coordination was gathering and meeting. And I'm still, you know, I just got off the plane and I'm jet lagged to, to, you know, and, and I'm getting up and I got to, I got to run the coordination. You know, I got to tell them what to do. I got to, you know, I'm dun, 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 you know, <laughs> I get galloped up on my horse and I'm going to, and the Lord said, no, no, stay here. Stay here with me. Just stay here with me. How do you know? You don't know what they need. You, you don't even know what to do. But you need to stay with me. And brothers, 
this is this is how I live. This is how I this is the only way I know, brothers. I I don't know how to serve in Germany. I don't speak German. I don't know how to shepherd fifty Farsi speaking new ones that are fighting with each other. But I know how to I know how to be with the Lord. I know how to be with him. I learned that. I learned it in the young people here. That's where I learned it. And I also learned how to coordinate, how to pray, and to be blended with the other brothers. I, I learned this. Now let me tell you, there's two things that you have to you have to know how to get it. Number one, the Lord needs your consecration. He has to get your absolute consecration. You have to cut the shorelines. You have to jump in. And you know, this time in the in the training, and you know, I missed some of the the meetings. I, I had to go see my mom. My mom was quite elderly, and she was in the hospital, and I needed to see her while I was in the country. But I got back, and I, I picked up both from the co-workers' fellowships and also from the messages, and that there's this ongoing, and you know this, ongoing kind of burden in the ministry for our young generation, and I mean 40-year-olds, 40, 30, 40-somethings, maybe even into 50s, that... <clears throat> I don't know if you noticed, and sorry to mention this. Did you notice how many coworkers were missing? They're missing. They're getting old, you know. And who's learning these things that are coming up that can be the same? You know, learn these this life, this way, this course. And so, <clears throat> there's this burden. There's this burden. And there is no better place, and I'm not, I'm not selling anything, for you to learn the lessons than in serving young people. On a campus, university, high school, junior high, you can shepherd them, you can shepherd anybody. You, uh, it will deal with you. If you, if you are serious about serving young people, it will deal with you to the core of your being. Your disposition will be forced to be broken and changed. It will touch you. It'll affect you. I don't know if there's anything, any area in the church life that will affect you more deeply than doing this kind of work. But this is a cry within me. The ones, even the ones that come to Europe. The ones that have to bear responsibility in the church life. It's not about being cool. It's not about being fun. It's about being with the Lord. And so, both personally and then with others.
to be able to labor with others. I said there's two things. Number one, the Lord needs our consecration. Absolutely. The second thing is he needs fellowship. We need to fellowship. And the fellowship comes from the ministry. The ministry is the content of our fellowship. You know, when we're talking about seeds of the gospel, for example, 2009, that was electric. And the more we fellowshiped, the hotter it got. We read it. We saw it. I told, testified. I was in, we invited Ricky to come to a teacher's training in May 2007. He pulled in in bulletin after getting off a plane and we gave him, said, okay, go. I did the first session. He did the second. And, and, uh, he mentioned this word, seeds of the gospel in his message. Well, we are putting together this publication, um, Raising Up the Next Generation, and we are reading these transcripts from 1967 that had not been published in English. And I knew he wasn't reading them because I had them and I had exclusive rights to them. <laughs> they were just translations from Chinese. But he's talking about seeds of the gospel. I'm thinking, how does he know about that? I was trying to keep that under wraps. I mean, I wasn't real excited about doing anything gospel with the young people. I thought we just need to sing and eat, you know. And uh, it started something. Um, and then I said, oh, man, look at this, you know, look at this. And he's going, yeah, yeah, Brother Benjamin, that. And, and pretty soon, the more fellowship over the ministry, the leading is there. The leading is there. Even these points that he just mentioned about bringing the young people into the church life. Brothers, this is how the Lord has been leading us. It's by, we touch something in the ministry and right away we fellowship and we back and forth, bearing responsibility. We found one, well, it's just one short message in 1968, collected work. <clears throat> and five or six times in that message, he talks about bearing responsibility, bearing responsibility. Well, eventually you get it. We have to help the young people to bear responsibility. But if, if we didn't have this kind of fellowship, this thing would just be, oh, underlined, highlighted in my book and back up on the shelf. But this, this is where the leading came from. Uh, does, does, that, does that make sense? Let me give you another example. And this is another um, area where the leading also was coming. And that is, is we were paying very close attention to what the co-workers were ministering. Every once in a while, Brother Ron, Brother Andrew, would, or Monaro, or someone would say something about the young people. In some way. Some way. And that became a kind of leading to us. Ron would mention, uh, well, I, I can't think of any examples right now, but I can't, I can't tell you how many times a very short conversation with one of these brothers ended up to be a, a direction changer because we listened to uh, a fellowship like that. And so you have the ministry, you have the fellowship, you have the Urim and the Thummim. Brothers, this is how, this is our way. It has to become 
very, very uh, organic, intrinsic, dynamic in our seeking the Lord. We might come to these kind of meetings looking for a method or some kind of new, uh, new way or new leading. But brothers, this is, this is it. This is how we do it. This is how we do it in the church life. So, <clears throat> this is a burden. The young, especially the ones serving young people, are going to be the you know college students, young working saints, young adults, whatever you want to call them. And this is the kind of way. This is how we have to bring them into serve uh, in this kind of way. So I like to use this this word priesthood. We put the ark on our shoulders and we're we're bearing it together. Um, let's see what else I have. Just to uh, strengthen these, this last point that uh, Brother Ricky mentioned. On a campus work, on the university campuses, the work is the healthiest when the students are active, when the students are functioning, when they're preaching the gospel, when they are serving, when they're bearing the meeting, that is when they're the healthiest. The same is true with our junior hires and our high schoolers. We bring them to become active. We promoted this a lot a number of years ago about gospel. Brothers, we cannot let this die down or go by the wayside. Uh, We have to always be opening up opportunities for the young people to bring the gospel to their friends. When they're active, that's when they're the healthiest. And they also be active in the small groups, in the home meetings. Bring them into the church life through the homes. Bring them into a gospel living. And bring them to serve in the church. This is church life. This is the church life that he's talking about. And this becomes our target. This is, you know, we we shared this uh, a number of times. Watch, watchman, no, no, Brother Lee and Chief Fu. He was working out the blueprint that he got from Brother Lee, Brother, Brother Nee. He asked three questions. Number one, are they alive? Are they regenerated? Do they have God's light? Number one. Number two, are they living? Well, that's relative. Had a scale of one to twelve. He had everybody on a piece of paper. All the ones on one piece, all the twos on another piece, all the threes on another one. He has pockets were full of papers, names of all the saints. And he was not just, you know, judging them in it, but he, he was paying attention, knowing well the condition of his flock. And then the third question was, are they serving? Are they serving? Because he knew if I get them to be a 12, it's like a like a mountain peak. There's only one way to go from there, and that's down. But if you could bring them to serve and to bear responsibility, they can maintain their victory and they can maintain their vitality. And so this is a this is this is like genius. I mean, 
it's in the books, you know. And so maybe, maybe my last point, and I don't know if you have anything more you want to share, but my last point, brothers, is that we have to become, all of us, you and me, become students of the work. You have to be constantly changing and constantly in the ministry. There's just no other way. Uh, you know, uh, Ricky mentioned about the publications, and you know, the brothers have announced this, a concern that there's a drop-off. We're just afraid that the next ones coming behind us don't have any idea what's in those books. They, they sat in the conference. They thought they got it. Uh, they didn't get it. Didn't get it. But to read the books. Read the books. Get into the messages. All of them. You know, in Germany, I'll just t- tell you this. Since I arrived there and we began to have these coordinations with the saints, the serving ones, the local serving ones with the visitors that are coming, every time we meet, we read a message or a half a message from a book. And we've gone through probably 12 to 15 books in the last nine months. And you cannot believe how timely those messages are. It's like, wow, he's talking to us. And this is how the ministry is. It's just like the Bible. It, In the nature of the Word of God, it speaks. We read a chapter, and it talks about problems of coordination, problems of uh, pride, wow, problems of discouragement. You know what I did? We did a, a publication search on all the books that have the Lord serving ones in the title. Division, ministry, and leading of the Lord serving ones. There's three different books that talk about the Lord serving ones. So we picked the shortest one first, you know, get a little sense of accomplishment by reading the short ones first, and then we went on to the next. Brothers, what a, what a help. What a help. And now we're in a big one <laughs> on the Lord serving ones. But I just encourage you, brothers, you, you gotta be in the ministry all the time. It's just too much, too much is there. Don't think because you can speak it, you got it. Because you heard it, you got it. It's good to be in the books. Be in the books. Always in the books. Well, that's all. Maybe that's good, huh? Think that's okay? Well, maybe you have something to say. Let's, let's have you guys. You know, I, I told, I told Brother Ricky, I'm not sure how many more of these I can, uh, I don't even know, yeah, whether I could come back or not. But anyway, it's very encouraging to be, to be with you. And may the Lord bless the work with the young generation. And the one that stood out to me uh, was the uh, mentioning of the ones from the U.S. going to college in Germany or Europe. So I guess my question would be, how, how do we prepare our young people? I mean, you mentioned this, so there must be some sort of feeling. Yeah, there's a yeah. lot of feeling. In fact, 
Now you want me to talk about what I'm... Well, I I was supposed to mention this in my fellowship and I forgot. And that is, we have to help our young people, beginning in junior high, to learn languages. You you know the joke, right? If you know three languages, you're trilingual. If you know two languages, you're bilingual. If you know one language, you're American. That's the problem. But our young people need to learn languages. At 12 years old. You see, if you wait till they get to be juniors or seniors in high school, it's too late. Well, they could do it in university or they can come to Germany and learn it on the street or use, you have to use up a year, you know, to do intensive language school. But you're not useful on a campus in Germany unless you can speak German. They speak English and they'll, they'll talk English to you because, you know, I can get around Germany without learning English. I mean, yeah, without learning German. <laughs> I still haven't learned the English. <laughs> But uh, to be effective, and this is this is huge, brothers. This is big. You want to serve in Europe, you got to learn the language. You have to learn the language. You have to learn the language. You have to pay the price and learn the language. Did I say it enough? This is number one. You know, we are really considering that all the ones, the 70 who migrate to Germany, will all land in Dusseldorf first. That's where the center of the work will be. And for six months, they're going to be in intensive language school. In the mornings and in the afternoons, we're going to be in fellowship with them. Pum, pum, pum. And uh, then they're going to get a burden for Cologne or for Bonn or for Munich or for Hamburg or for Hanover. And then they're going to get thrust out. But they'll be fluent in German by that time. But how good, you know, we already have, uh, Shepherd, we already have uh, over a hundred students studying in Germany right now. They're mostly from Taiwan or from China. Uh, and it's kind of amazing to watch them. They speak German. They're just, bah, 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 you know. And, you know, those dear brothers in Munich, there's about 15 of them. They're all, they're all graduate students. Some of them are grad, you know, they finished their PhD and they're German speaking, the burden for the Germans. They went out and in two weeks, they got 140 names of contacts and over 40 of them were Germans, German Germans. As these Chinese, Taiwanese, uh, graduate students, uh, gaining Germans. They said, could you send us two white couples? They didn't, we didn't have a church in Munich. You know that? See, you're going to get me going here. We don't have a church in Munich, but because they're just students, they're young. But, uh, I sat down with one of the brothers. Um, he said, let me tell you about Munich. I said, okay. So he pulled out this Excel spreadsheet. He's got the name, the address, the cell phone, their marriage status, their kids, and then this big paragraph, kind of like a history and physical, you know, <laughs> on each of the saints. Here's a, here's a student 
He's done this for all the saints. He knows well the condition of his flock. It meets temporarily. Husband is an unbeliever, you know, is in the home meeting. My goodness, I never saw this before. Here's Munich. You have a burden? Go to the immigration training. Come to Dusseldorf and we'll... Yeah, yeah, Germany. See, Germany has passed some kind of a law that even international students can get tuition-free education. You just have to pay room and board. And you could live in the dorms. It's about 700 euro a month. You can get a full world-class education. Yeah, it is kind of mind-blowing. You pay $60,000 a year for a liberal college in, in the U.S. and get your brain pickled with the liberal philosophy. You come to Germany and you'll learn how to do precision mechanical engineering and how to build BMW cars and Mercedes-Benz and Volkswagens. You just get a student visa. It's the easiest visa to get. Yeah. And you get health insurance, 70 euros a month. You don't even have to learn. Well, I shouldn't tell you this. The classes are in English. But you know, you know why Germany is doing this? Because their population is not getting married and having children. So they don't have a young generation coming up to sustain this economic powerhouse that they have developed. That's why they welcome the refugees. They need workers. And so they bring the Chinese and the Indian and the Americans to go to school there. They figure after four years they'll speak English, they'll speak German and then we'll get them a job. They get a job and they stay and they participate. They become good German taxpayers and help maintain this economy. Well, you have to apply just like you would in the U.S. and you have to have good grades and stuff. Uh, but it's it's not that hard. Um, we sent something out. Peter, you got it. Uh, we sent, uh, yeah, Rodrigo, we sent something about this to to the Southern California Young People's Office as a kind of an information thing. And we also have a list of the universities in Germany that we've also supplied. Uh, that's a good question. But learn German. Yeah. Well, you could pick the six localities where we have saints. The, you know, of course, we have we have saints in 27 localities, actually, if you want to know the truth. But where the churches are is Berlin, Dusseldorf, Frankfurt, Stuttgart, and Munich, and Hamburg. That's where we have, and Versmold, and Friedrichshaven. You got it? <laughs> uh Okay, yeah, that'd be good. So, did I veer off track, or did I answer the question? Learn German, beginning with 12-year-olds. So, in your summer schools of truth, your junior high class. Uh-huh. Okay. 
You mean because it sounds attractive? It's like a European vacation? Yeah. Well, you could tell them that somebody meaner than their parents is there waiting for them. <laughs> you don't know how the German culture is. The German culture is very strict, very regimented. Uh, well, tell them they have to go with the burden. Tell them they have to pray and get the Lord's leading. Tell them that they have to go to preach the gospel, not to go to get away. Just inoculate them against all those kind of things. Um, see, we don't want, of course, we want the young people that will become factors. They could coordinate on a campus. They could become, you know, already in Berlin, we have a very good student coordination of about 20 meeting together in in uh, Stuttgart. We've already baptized two ger- real Germans, I mean, German Germans, and we have about six students, eight, and they're, they're burdened. And you come over, you're going to get right into that, and you're going to become one of that. Um, so we inspire them, get them to pray. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But don't ship us all your problems. You know, we're not going to be able to babysit them. We have 50 uh, Iranians that we're trying to babysit. But you have to tell them, you go there, you're going to be on the campus. You're going to be a campus full-timer. That's, that's what they need to understand. And, yeah, there's some that you probably shouldn't send. But then there's some that could become very useful. Just being there, all of a sudden, they just... We have a sister that just started a semester in Dusseldorf who's coming from Mexico City. She's doing an exchange semester there. Um, great. We have a student on the campus at the University of Dusseldorf, or Dusseldorf University, whatever they call it. I live right by it. <laughs> we need students, though. That, that's a that's a big thing. It's hard to get on those campuses without being a student. So, where we have the most in effect is where when we have students. So. Well, we just have to fellowship and see. Uh, this sister is living in the dorms. Um, I think it's part part of the requirement of the exchange program that she's part of. Uh, but she's fully fully engulfed in the church life, so it's not a concern. Uh, the dorms in Germany are not like the dorms in the U.S. They're serious. They're serious students, and. Uh, so it's it's not as dangerous, I, I don't think. Of course, I'm not really, I've never lived in the dorms in Germany, so I can't really say, but from what I understand. But either way, I don't know if there's going to be that many families until you all migrate over there with your wives and children that we could put them in your home. Okay.
serving the young people for about 18 years. Um, and I have a son who just graduated, or he's graduating from high school. And I did some reflection um, about his high school years and began to consider how the church life is very focused on utilizing the morning revival as content. And so from the time they get graduate from sixth grade, to try and bring them into the practice of the church life, where they go from learning that Jesus is their Savior on the cross to uh, trying to wrap their head around the heavenly ministry of Christ um, in his ascension and practicing the church life under the transmission. I mean, it's wonderful to us. But I realized that my son, in his senior year, eventually I found out that he just didn't have the basics of even following his conscience, uh, nor did he enjoy the young people's meeting. Um, and these were things that were very scary to me uh, because my son's in a public school. Not many young people are in the church life where he goes. And so I'm facing two t- teenagers in my own home who their social life is very much the life at school. They never got a bridge of how to enter into the church life, which very much is focused on morning revival content. Uh, it's like they skipped the basics, um, and now my relationship with them is very distant. And so I'm scratching my head and saying to myself, where did I miss something? And I just feel like, I have to go back to the drawing board to really do some studying. And so could you say something a little bit about, you mentioned this matter of relevance and the matter of helping our young people practice the church life. Can you say something um, in a morning revival somewhat centric, and I say this positively, but I'm saying it from the perspective of, of a young person, so please understand me and not misunderstand me. I'm not criticizing the content we get into. I'm just saying that I need help bringing other children, and I'm, you know, starting to talk to the parents and letting them know we have to study this matter together. Otherwise, your kids are going to be like my kids, and I don't want that to happen. (laughs) So can you say, how how can we transition sixth graders into the church life with such a high, rich content? Can we simplify that content? Uh, Can we um, have morning revival versions that are more age appropriate. Um, number two is, you know, how can we, is the Saturday night young people's meeting the only recourse for those young people who when they walk into the young people's meeting, they don't see any of their worldly friends. Um, but if we can capture them where they are, we could gain a lot of their friends. I think, um, I think we all face this situation because we in in every place where the the, the practical consideration of morning time we emphasize that I think having a morning time with the Lord and because our church life you know the morning revival is tied to the Lord's Day meeting right and it's designed that way to foster the prophesying of the saints. Um, then, then we all, I think we all face this dilemma, if you will. Um, we have to find a way. We just have to find a way. Maybe 
we, we can't give an, an all-inclusive answer, a one-size-fits-all. Because another church may actually, it may work there. It may work there. Then we need to learn, mm, okay, can you say more about how it works there, but there's got to, there has to have been something in that place that they have that we didn't. I, I can just tell you some things we have done. And that is, that is to have a, um, a different morning revival for the, for the young people. Have a different morning revival. And not, not just a, not just a, a kid's version of, you know, you know what I mean. A kid's version of whatever the church is doing. Which is another consideration. To have, to have, to, to labor to have something for the young people that matches the church morning revival, but at their stage. But that's more work. And then that's more anticipation. It's just more, more work. But you have to find a way. Um, what, what we have done in the past is because the, in the young people's meeting, they have different lessons and the basic things. Then we have a weekly morning revival of those things. And then at least once a month, at least once a month, we devote some time in the prophesying meeting for the young people to share. But they will share what they've been in. And it's just fine, because uh, what you're trying to do, uh, there's one word that you, you mentioned, is the bridge. You're trying to make a bridge. And I think as long as that's still the goal, then it's okay to do something a little different. But you have to take care of your flock. You have to take care of your flock. So what we try to do, because not now, for example, we in our in 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 New York we have five meeting halls. The condition of the halls is different. So even there we don't have a one size fits all. In 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 two districts, we have no uh, Lord's Day morning young people at all, right? Uh, and we try to have the young people fully in the in the you know in the Lord's Day meeting or serving. And and but there actually we found that it's it's better to have them serve every other week so they're occupied. They they this group of kids cannot handle three weeks <laughs> in the Lord's Day meeting. They need to serve church meeting, serve church meeting, like that. In another district, what we do is we have every other week, Lord's Day morning, something with for the young people. But in between, one week serving, one, one week in the church meeting. But in all the places, what we try to do is encourage them once a month to function. It is, uh, what's the word? Not organic, it is, it is mechanical. It is mechanical. We admit that. But we're trying to build a bridge. Now, of course, we would encourage them if they want to say something at any other time. That's very good. But realist, honestly, not many do. But once a month, they're going to prophesy. So we're just building this bridge for them. The saints enjoy that very much, to hear from the kids. They just enjoy. They get refreshed. And... As, as someone alluded to, very often it does match what the church is in. 
So they give their sharing, and it just, it actually fits in that week to what the church is doing. But I think my main point is, the parent, as parents, we have to find a way. And maybe it's to, as you're saying, gather the other parents. Let us find a way. And, and we give testimonies of, of both positive and negative. We can be honest to let them know sometimes some of the things with our own kids, it didn't work. And we want to avoid that with you. But let's, let's practice the priesthood. And actually, the parents should be practicing the priesthood. Right? I mean, I, I think we've mentioned this in the past. You know, in Exodus 12, who slayed the lambs there? The day of the Passover. There was a lamb in every home. But who killed the lamb? There were no, there were no priests yet. The, pre, the, the priesthood of, with the Levites was not introduced until Exodus 32. We're still in Exodus 12. We're told in Exodus 19 that his purpose is to have a kingdom of priests, but we don't hear that yet. But in Exodus 12, there's the slaying of the lamb and the sacrifice. What function is that's a priestly function? But who did that? Parents. Every household had priests. Actually, I, I think, brothers, that's the closest the Lord ever got to the universal priesthood in the Old Testament. It's the closest. There were priests in every home. And then, and then you read in chapter 12 and in chapter 13, at least three times, it says when your children ask you, what are you doing? Because you're about, you know, it, that is when you go into the land in years to come and your children ask you, what are you doing? And the Lord says, you have to tell them. This is what the Lord did for me. And it's very clear that the parents are also the teachers and the evangelists. So, so this kind of exercise for the parents to take on for their own children is very, very healthy. And not to depend on the, the church to do it for them. We, we do our best to help. But as parents, we have to be before the Lord. What, what works? And I, I think, um, going back to Brother Lee's fellowship on how to lead the young people. Um, the first point that he shares is showing interest. Showing interest. And having talks with them. And I think, well, I learned, I learned this, that I need to, you know, I, I read this, when I read this, I had a serving one's hat on. You understand? But I realized, I need to put on my parents' hat for this. And we need to do this for our own children. And, and, and parents do this for their children when they're three and five. And, you, you, and when they come home from school, oh, how was your, you know, we, but somewhere this stops. When? When exactly? What's the day that you stop doing that? So I'd like to encourage the parents, don't stop. You show it in a different way. 
But don't stop this practice. And I feel that this will really help us to have, to find the relevance. Because you know what interests them. You know what they care about. You know what they think about. You know how they feel uh, about, about things. But somewhere along the way, we got too busy as not only parents, but then as serving brothers in the church. And, and frankly, and I, I, I don't like to say this, but, I, but I, frankly, I think many dads at a certain time stop knowing their kids. And this shouldn't be this way. Shouldn't, shouldn't be. We have to stay alongside them. But, anyway, some of them push us away, but, but, you just find another way. But sometimes they push you away because you weren't there. If you had stayed alongside them. But somehow we left and when we tried to come back, then they, then they pushed. But then we have to find another way. So, I don't know if that, yeah. Junior high and high school together. Junior high and high school. Okay. Companion reading, right. right. Is that daily though? Or no. weekly? I said it's a weekly little paragraph. Right. You should see what we've been using in Germany. Healthy Walk with God, 12 weeks. Every day some morning revival material. It's taken from the New Believers, uh, Holy Word for Morning Revival. Just do a Google search. Healthy Walk with God. Get 12 weeks of Good stuff. Oh, it's there. Yeah. We have a a coordinated young people work, and we go through a book of the Bible, uh, the morning revival on Galatians, or the morning revival on the book of John. And so that it has a morning revival, just like our morning revival with days of the week and portions of the life study, portions of the footnotes, etc. And we do a book of the Bible and then we do a few weeks of the new beginner, new believer series, morning revival. And we just alternate and, um, we do have a problem because Living Stream Ministry doesn't publish every book of the Bible nor the New Testament, but uh, we seem to have enough resource to be able to do that. And it actually provides our young people a good basis in the Word, in the Bible. They read the Bible. And uh, then they have the footnotes of the life study to help them unlock it. And um, I don't know what happened, but maybe seven or eight years ago, our young people started prophesying in the meetings. And one-on-one appointments probably or what happened. 
And they still to this day, every week, prophesy. to uh, Brother Donnie's question. And uh, I say this with some reservation, but in the practice of the God-ordained way, the small group meeting is really the ideal place where the young people can be shepherded on their level according to their problems You know, in many of our places, we have not really built up the small groups according to the blueprint. And we have small groups, you know, in a more different kind of formal way. And we, you know, we'll eat and then we'll go in the living room and we'll sit down and we'll read a book or we'll read the morning revival or we'll do something quite structured like that. But uh, if you read uh, how Brother Lee was describing the small group meetings to take place, The first part of the group meeting is a time of opening and fellowship, followed by or interspersed with intercession. Well, you know, if if uh, your 12, 13, 14-year-old was in a group, and you're not there, I mean, in a group, their own group, and they saw the saints opening up to one another, and right at right as they're opening up, others are begin to intercede for them to pray, they too would learn how to open up. And they would get a lot of their problems solved. Um, Brother Lee began his work in Taiwan in 1984 and 5 when he went there to revive the small groups. And he concluded his time in the Far East with the small groups. And coming back to the U.S., it was the vital groups. But what he, it changed drastically from 1985 to 1989 and 90 and 91 as to what he understood the practice of the groups would be. And so this was one of our fellowships about 2008, uh, was to bring our young people into their own group meeting and to push them. And then, of course, we have to really... This is why, brothers, you have to be students of of the ministry so that we don't just get into a rut and do what we've always done, uh, but to... See it, see the vision, and then just practice and practice until you get it. Um, the small groups, okay, you have a church of 200 saints. 20 full-time elders could not shepherd 200 saints. But 20 small groups could. 20 small groups could. That's the Lord's wisdom. When the church began in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit invented another way to meet. It was house to house. And in those houses was where there was this not forsaking our own assembling. It was their meeting. It was our meeting, our assembly. And they didn't forsake those groups because those groups were where... The church, that's where the real church became practical. It wasn't in the meeting hall, it was in the house. And boy, you get there and Carlos opens up, and, and what right when he's opening up, he begins to pray. You know, and then Ethan prays, and then someone else prays, and then, then he goes, Yeah, yeah, you know, I need I need I'd like to open up something too. And then they pray, and 
Man, you want everybody. You want your friends in that meeting. You want your relatives in that meeting. You want the young people to watch this. This doesn't happen. Brothers, in September, in Dusseldorf, we began to have a perfecting, small group perfecting. We realized we got 50 uh, new ones coming to our meetings. The only way we're going to gain them is if we can gain them through the homes. So we thought, wow, we got to build up a kind of an infrastructure to the church here. And uh, so we began to have a kind of a perfecting training for the saints. It went from September all the way into January uh, to build up these small groups according to that vision, that view, that practice. And uh, you can't believe how precious saints love each other. You know, they they love coming together and they want new ones. They They're looking, you know, to fighting over the new ones to get them to come to their group, you know. But brothers, this is what our young people need too. I mean, it's not all about morning revival and the, the prophesying meeting. Of course, brothers, that is huge. That is huge. The recovery of prophesying never could have happened. Watchman Lee tried in 1939. Brother Lee tried in the 50s. Couldn't do it, couldn't do it. All of a sudden, 87, he got through. We're never going to give this up. And every one of our young people need to get on a trajectory that will bridge them from wherever they are into a prophesying life. No doubt about it. So, yeah, morning revival and prophesying for sure. However we're going to do it, however we do it, uh, we got to do that. But this other side, this small group, it's not just the young people's meeting. This See, this is one of the traps for all of us who serve young people is that we just, the whole thing comes down to the meeting. You know, who's going to speak? You got something? You got you got a burden? No, I don't got none. You got something? How about you? No, no, I don't got none. How about, oh, yeah, I, I got a little, yeah, I got a little feeling. Oh, good. Amen. Praise the Lord. You, you take the meeting. And you've been in those coordinations, right? And it's all about the meeting. And then it's over and you're just depressed like, oh, Lord Jesus, that was terrible. That was terrible. You go, okay. What are we going to do next week? And then get back together next week. Okay, you, what are we going to do on Saturday night? You know, And it's all about the meeting. But brothers, if, if we understood the real work with young people is not about a young people's meeting. Brother Lee said he could do a young people's work without a young people's meeting. So that's, that's the part that we have to figure out. So, amen. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, now I'm preaching. Yeah, yeah, not not young people, not young people group meetings. No. Mingled with the saints, all ages. You got old guys there, you got the young people there, you got children there, you got college students. And man, you 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 got your teenage boy in a group meeting and he sees somebody getting baptized off the campus. He goes, "Wow, you know." And then Pretty soon he's over there shepherding this brand new college. He's like 16 and he's shepherding a college student. They need that. And that, that'll affect them. But we, you know, we, we just kind of limited our groups to the campus work, campus. And it was just all campus. And we had, we were sending some of our young people to the groups and they go, no, no, we're not burdened for high schoolers. We're burdened for the campus, you know, so, you know, what are you doing here, you know? 
So they call me up. Can you send a serving one? We got some high schoolers coming to our group meeting. <laughs> anyway, so we have to work on many directions. We have to work with the young people. Then we have to work with the saints. But my, I, I, I this this part, you know, and and maybe maybe our practice of the groups, the group meetings, is a little bit old. Let me recommend a book. You got to read the ministry, okay? The practice of the group meetings. That's the name of the book. Given in 1989 by Brother Lee after he came back from Taiwan. The practice of the group meetings. It's awesome. We're just getting it translated into German right now so we can... And then the last eight chapters of the book, The Exercise and Practice of the God-Ordained Way, chapter 23 to 30. Also very good. And then, if you are really want to read, is... The Fellowship Concerning the Urgent Need of the Vital Groups, about the first ten chapters. He talks a lot about this. Let us consider one another. The Exercise and Practice of the God-Ordained Way. Kind of a pink, purple book, you know. He, He talks about intimacy, mutuality, knowing one another thoroughly. We're still anonymous. We're still uh, wearing a mask. We're still uh, formal. You know, I think as human beings, this social, this social need, a, a divinely human social uh, interaction, is something we crave. And many times in the big meetings, we don't get it. We can't get it. It's just not there. Okay. I, you know, brothers, I'm sorry. I, I don't know. Maybe. Shouldn't pretend to have any answers. Yes. Yes. And um, I, the first thing I heard is um, we need to know the problems. Um, for the sake of our fellowship. I'm particularly interested in the second problem because I personally had met someone, a young brother, open to me about his identity. And um, I just didn't know how to help him. Eventually, he... um, moved away. He particularly told me I did not share this with anyone. So I promised him, I said, brother, be peaceful. I'm not going to share this with anyone. But I have a heart. I want to help him. So I consult with a medical doctor in Taiwan who I know. But he couldn't help me neither because he said this is a very special problem. You need to find a specialist to help this young brother. Um, So anyway, maybe this is just me being ignorant, not knowing how to help in this particular brother. 
I would I would eager to hear more about it, how I approach to them, even when they approach to us, you know, old old guys, you know, uh, what kind of attitude or you know whatever I can get. I would say that of all the cases of, of, of saints that have come to me, um, we, we were not able to help all of them, to be honest with you. Um, it, all, it really depends on the degree of openness of, of the saint. And also, I think it has to do with how far along in the process they are. Uh, some who are just questioning, curiosity, you could help them. Some who have touched a little bit, somewhat experimenting, you could still help them if they're open. Others who have committed themselves to this lifestyle, um, it becomes more difficult. Um, of course, if they come to you, then you probably, that means that there's, there's some openness. Um, one particular case, someone, I had, I had not contacted this person in about eight years. I knew that they had gone this way, but they just were not in my sphere of contact and so on. Out of the blue, they contacted me. And, uh, so we tried for a little bit, and then uh, that person cut me off abruptly. Um, so, so we were not weren't successful in everything. But even that person said, uh, testified that the reason they could open this to me, and there's a particular reason that brother opened just to you, is that there's some confidence, and and. That is a, you have a lot of credit with them. A lot of credit. Um, a lot has to do with the attitude that we have. Actually, for everyone, and for everyone, love is the first thing. They, they, they know we love them. And, and we love them unconditionally. We don't love them more if they're doing better. I mean, that should be with all our young people, right? That, oh, if, if they sit in the front row, we love them a lot. If they sit in the second row, if they're in the last row, you know, that doesn't affect us. Even they don't come to the meeting doesn't affect our love. Of course, the dads have to communicate this to the children, especially their sons, that we don't, we don't love them more if they're going on and less if they're not going on. That, you know, but you'd be surprised. Some of the some of the some of the young people may have that feeling about even their parents, and we we have to erase that. Um, but as far as the detail of how to help, I I would say probably what we need to do is have more fellowship, you know, to, rather not in a setting like this, but to have more detailed fellowship, because uh, the cases are very particular. There are many factors that we would have to know. In order to be able to share something in an educated, educated way, um, and of course we offer that that we can have more, more fellowship. 
but but in principle, in principle, th- these are the things we've shared kind of publicly. That that firstly, firstly, God loves everyone, right? God loves everyone. Second, God does not tolerate sin. Sin and sin is sin. All sin is sin. And God loves the sinner, but hates the sin. All sin. All sin. Next, all of us are sinners. So we don't have any ground to judge anyone. So we don't judge. We're not, we're not judges. But we have to stand, next thing is, with the Word of God. And the Word of God says this. And, and from Old Testament to New Testament, we just present the verses. We just present the verses. Then, um, and then somewhat even challenge, do you stand with the Word of God? That's really the, that's really the point. Do you stand with the Word of God? And then to show, as I mentioned, 1 Corinthians 6, that actually, according to the Scripture, this is not predetermined and all that. You can you can turn away from it. You can turn away from it. Romans 1 also shows us that to be homosexual is contrary to nature. Contrary to nature. The human nature is not this way. It's not this way. Of course, people are curious. Well, the thing is, how much do you give in and feed that curiosity and then you end up in a certain point? But according to the scripture, no, God did not create us this way. Because how could he create us in a certain way and then condemn us for being that way? And that, that just doesn't, that's not rational. Um, so, so, these are really the points we present in public, kind of make a framework. But a lot has to do with our attitude, even in how to present these things. Even when you present, the Bible says this, how, how do you present even what attitude and tone? Because the word is absolute. The word is absolute. And okay, yes. But, but you can present that not having a judging tone. Knowing and, 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 or, or being willing to accept the fact that even among our young people, there are some who are questioning or leaning toward. You want to give them a way to be able, they have to have a way to come to get, to get the help. So generally, that's what we present, but we surely could have more fellowship. We're going to stop at 6.30, brothers, just like we said. We want to leave a minute or two for some prayer. So uh, from my experience serving with the junior high, um, what we've kind of run up against is figuring out how to care for them individually. You know, we have the times together, um, even a YP time. But then even figuring out, like, and, and me personally is something I've always not really been, I didn't grow up with in the church life, so I didn't. I didn't have that one-on-one care. I mean, I had a little bit more when I was in college, but it was never, it was always my initiation. So I was just wondering, you know, what kind of, 
ways would you encourage or um, you've experienced that really were successful or you you and you know you you were able to to reach them in that kind of that kind of way your question is how do you reach junior hires yeah how do you like well, how do you reach them uh, personally not just not just in the group meetings but right. how do you touch their like get to uh, you know you know your flock I know that they have this right. problem right. or that they're going through this thing right I don't want to talk to them specifically about that right, thing. Right. Just come over and expose them, but yeah. but actually help them to talk yeah. to me about it, right. and, and not yeah. and in a, like a setting. Yeah. I, I think, in general, it's a matter of spending time, investing, investing time, um, having a few of them over for the weekend, or or Saturday night. You know, after the meeting, you have two or three over. When they come to your home, it's not meeting speak. You just talk about anything. And so, and as you get to know them, you do that every couple of months or rotate them through so that eventually all the boys have come to your home within three months. And then you rotate them through at a, you know, take three months off, then do it again. You'll get to know them. You'll get to hear them speak. Even when you're driving, they'll talk about things. And you could stir up a few things, like what I demonstrated before. You ask certain questions to get them to to talk a little bit. But nothing substitutes spending time with them. It doesn't. It can be one on one, but it can also be one on two or one on three. And and you watch them interact. And and you know. Of course, as, as a married couple, you can have the girls over too sometimes and get to know them, things like that. Uh, I've also found driving to the conferences. You have two or three in your car. Go visit another locality for a weekend. You're spending time with them outside of that meeting setting. Any time with them is really value, valuable. And so, so um, and of course, there's also the one-on-one times where you go pick up somebody after school or things like that. But I think to me, nothing substitutes actually spending time sitting with them, talking with them, or letting them talk. And so you you may not get that the first time or the third time or the fifth time where you get them to open to you because you have to do it without a motive. You just love them and spend time with them. And as the confidence builds, they, they will start talking about things. So, is that a that's satisfying. Shall we have a little prayer, brothers? Amen.